the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections, brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where diversity and opportunity are one. From education to employment, entrepreneurship to innovation, this program is your weekly connection to the latest trends and opportunities taking place all across Silicon Valley. Host Carl Davis Jr. talks to the rock stars of Silicon Valley and offers you engaging interviews and insights from local, regional, and internationally acclaimed business leaders, entrepreneurs, and community leaders to help you stay connected. Now, here's your host, Carl Davis Jr. Uh, Welcome to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Hi, I'm your host, Carl Davis Jr., but I'm also the president of the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce, where we help all small businesses start, finance, grow, and even exit their businesses. We're located at 25 North 14th Street, downtown San Jose, or you can reach us via the web at blackchamber.com. Man, when we say we talk to the rock stars of Silicon Valley, we got an up-and-coming rock star. I'm excited about introducing her. The newest member of the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors, Miss L. Susan Ellenberg. How you doing, Susan? <laughs> Good morning, Carl. Doing great. How are you? Man, I, I'm so excited. I almost got it wrong. And I, I wanted to say District 4, right? You're in That's dist- right. You, you represent District 4. Let me ask you a question about that before I dive into a little bit about who you are. Sure. It, it's made up of five different districts, right? It's uh, different areas of the county. My District 4 includes the cities of Campbell and Santa Clara, mm-hmm. also the... Um, West part of the city of San Jose and the unincorporated uh, Cambrian and Burbank pockets. So it's um, it's about four hundred thousand residents altogether. Wow, man, that's that's huge. And you recently were elected, right? And the term for a Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors is what? Is four years. I was elected in November of 2018, sworn into office in January. So I am in the second half of my first year. Wow. I'm sure our listeners are hearing that and they're going, man, how do you become a Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors? But even before that, Susan, tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and and your past and and how you got on this on this sort of road to be the supervisor. Sure, Carla, I would love to do that. Um, I'll I'll go way back uh, to something we have in common. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh and understand that you come from that area as well. (laughs) I love it. So go Steelers. (laughs) Um, But I've been proud to call Santa Clara County my home for nearly 30 years. And kind of one of the earliest messages I heard about Santa Clara County was that this was a place that you could plug into the existing ecosystem and begin contributing immediately. Mm -hmm. There were no lines, no no waiting period, essentially. No one was looking to see how many generations your family has been here or what your bank account is. If you wanted to come in and get active and get involved, you were welcomed immediately. And that was that was really an appealing part of coming to this community. It was something that I didn't know that I would, would find 
other places. And ultimately, it's that open invitation that really led me here today. Mm. Uh, my first career was as an attorney and worked as well as a social justice educator and, and in some other roles. But it was public service that caught my eye in um in about 2014, when my mm. youngest daughter was a freshman at Lincoln High School, and the board was the school board at the time was proposing a policy that I wasn't super excited about, and rather than continue to object from the outside, I decided that I would run for a seat on that board. And I have always been really focused on kids' health and well-being and education. And I loved serving on the school board. I thought it was, mm. it was really impactful work. It's exactly what was important to me. But mm. I'll tell you, Carl, what I started to see was that for so many kids who mm. were struggling in mm. schools, mm -hmm. the primary issues weren't academic. They mm. were socioeconomic. We had mm. kids that, who were unstably housed, who didn't get enough to eat every day, who uh, were missing opportunities for well-child checkups or medical care when they, when they weren't well. Their families were struggling with a range of issues. And as a school board member, I couldn't touch most of those. Mm. All of those issues are best addressed by county government. Mm. And when it started to become clear to me that there was actually an opportunity for broader impact, not just on the kids at San Jose Unified, where I sat on the board, but across the county, I decided to run for the the seat that was opening up in 2018. So ran for that, clearly uh, won the seat, happy to say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was in part certainly due to the, the hard work of mm -hmm. myself and a really dedicated team, but it was also because I found that the community really agreed with my expressed impact mm -hmm. to to focus particularly on families and children and all of the things we need, need to do around stabilizing that population for kids to do well at school and ultimately grow up and become constructive, productive parts of the community and open businesses and join your chamber. <laughs> I love that part. You, you, <laughs> you know that. But I, I want to dive even deeper in that because, sure. you know, your policies and the, the, the policy principles of things that that you aspire to. Can you share a little bit of that for us and our, our listeners? Yeah, I'll, I'll share kind of the, the background around my policy priorities and then get to how, how I think the business community can really be involved and help to advance this work. Mm -hmm. um, so I mentioned that really uh, all of my primary policy work focuses on kids and families. And of course, kids don't exist in a vacuum. Right. They depend wholly on the care of others, an ecosystem that's made up of parents and caregivers and uh, teachers and healthcare providers. And a child's success is directly connected to our community's success. Uh, one of the things I found when I, when I started knocking on doors during my campaign was that so many residents had no idea what county government does. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is this, if you have no idea what county does, it means that you and your family are in a good place. You're living at least somewhat stably, fairly well-resourced. And it's only when you really need to rely on government services that you become aware of why this level of government exists and how it helps 
our most vulnerable residents in so many ways. And I've explained, you know, even to kids that county government is complex, but it's not complicated. Um, When I I did story readings at libraries this summer Mm -hmm. and would start by telling kids, and these are really little, you know, first graders and younger, Mm -hmm. kids what my job is. What I do is that I'm working to find a way for every single person in our community to have a safe and stable place to sleep every night, to get enough healthy food to eat every day, have the opportunity to go to a good school, go to the doctor, get a job and earn money so that they can take care of themselves in our own family and, and their own families. Mm, and, you know, that's pretty clear regardless of, yeah. of how old or young you are. And that kind of gets me um, directly to, to my big takeaway for, for my policy platforms. Mm-hmm. And it's all centered around the fundamental principle that child care is not babysitting. Mm-hmm. Child care is economic important, uh, economic empowerment. Mm-hmm. And certainly the economy is, is always among top priorities for the business community. So what I would say is this, if, if our community wants to see the economy continue to grow, mm-hmm. we need for every member to be in the best position to contribute to it. So let me show, share with you, Carla, a little mm-hmm. bit of data yes. for context. Not Please. too much, but Please. I think this, this paints a good picture for us. Please. According to Kids Data and the California Department of Education and the Silicon Valley Institute for Regional Studies, the cost of childcare for kids under five rose between 30 and 57 percent between 2012 and 2018. So listen to these numbers. In 2018, Mm -hmm. the average child care costs at a licensed facility in Silicon Valley were estimated at almost $21,000 per year for infants and more than $15,000 per year for preschoolers. And just for real context, Carl, child care for one infant cost more than a year of UC tuition at, at, at any of the UCs. Wow. That's crazy. So, huh? Right? Oh, right? Man. But it, it gets better. Let me tell you, let me break that down a little bit um, in terms of what people are, are earning, who's providing mm-hmm. these services. So the median income for families in Santa Clara County during that same year was 109,000, a little bit more, almost 110,000. Mm-hmm. The median income for African American families mm-hmm. was 62,385. Mm. And 17% of African American children are living at or below the federal poverty level, which is all of 24,600 for a family of four. Mm. And so when you think about these costs and and the notion of working families having to choose between a home and childcare, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are we doing? Yeah. There, are, there are right now approximately 28,000 children between birth and age two in our county that need and don't have access to childcare. Mm. On the other hand, there are all of 900 licensed childcare workers in the county with a need for 7,000 more. Oof. And 900, and we need 7,000. 7,000 more. And, and it's hard because this is, you know, child care workers, a majority of whom of women are women of color, are earning an annual salary that ranges between $25,000 and $40,000 a year. They are six times as likely as K-12 educators to mm-hmm. live in poverty. 
Oh my goodness. You know, and I'm sure you already yeah. know that even our K-12 educators are having a hard time affording to live in the county. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how can we expect people to take these jobs mm-hmm. if we are not paying a living wage, we're not paying enough for them to work here? And that impacts two generations. It impacts current workers who need to often leave the workforce mm-hmm. if they don't have good child care, mm-hmm. and it impacts the next generation of children who don't have that access. So one of the first um, major policy pieces that I, I presented this year and got the full support from my colleagues was to begin to um, initiate a proposal for implementing on-site child care for county employees at one or more of our facilities and an increased child subsidy, child care subsidy for county employees. So right now we're conducting a survey to determine need, talking with the bargaining units, establishing a reserve fund, and the intention is to set up the first programs um, during the FY 2019-20 year. Wow, Susan, Susan, I love that so much. I want to stop right there because I got plenty to say about that. I got a friend that we were just talking about that. So I'd like to pick this up on the second half. You're listening to Susan Ellenberg on Silicon Valley Business Connections. Join the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce and watch your business grow. Participate in mixers, webinars, and training workshops to help start, finance, and grow your business. All with the help of the Chamber's certified Small Business Development Center's consultants for free. That's right. Sign up for one-on-one help from a certified Small Business Development Expert Advisor for free. Call 408-288-8806 or visit blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. And now, back to Silicon Valley Business Connections. Uh, We're going to let the good times roll today. We have a very, very special guest. The newest newest supervisor for the Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors, Ms. Susan Ellenberg, is is our guest today. How you doing, Susan? Doing great, Carl. We had a very lively discussion, and I think Susan left off talking about on-site sort of child care, and I was telling her about a friend of mine who had an idea about providing child care at the businesses themselves. And I thought, well, that's a wonderful idea. It makes a lot of sense that these businesses can participate and do something really good for their employees. And Susan says, Carl, we're even doing one better. Tell me about it, Susan. <laughs> Tell me what you guys are doing in there. <laughs> um, so let me break that up into into three pieces, Carl. Please. Um, the comment that you that you just made about employers doing this mm-hmm. is something that I am, you know, preaching from the rooftops and trying to get into as many business environments as I can, talking first about the medium to large size uh, companies. Who I want to know who is already providing on-site child care. Um, are they offering it to all of their employees from the, the tech workers to the cafeteria workers and IT guys and maintenance folks? Are they offering child care during non-traditional hours? What's the landscape that we have right now with our larger companies? The reason that I started with county government proposal is, is not because I only want to see this done at the county, but we're in fact the third largest employer um, behind, I think, just Apple and Google. County, Santa Clara County employs 22,000 workers. 
So if we are providing that service, we're already um, hitting potentially thousands mm-hmm. of children in the county who need this. And what we what we see is that we're serving then not only the current employers em- employees of today who are able to advance their careers, be comfortable in their jobs, knowing that childcare is is taken care of for them. Certainly this is an issue that tends to disproportionately impact moms. But we also know that an additional $3,000 in family income per year when a child is young is associated with a 17% increase in that child's future earnings. Mm. So companies should have every incentive to do this. But I wanted to talk also about two other places. Smaller companies can't necessarily afford to do this. So this is where I think the small business community, entrepreneurs should really be encouraged Mm -hmm. to create more business models for high quality early child care in areas where there are perhaps a number of small businesses. You're right. It's certainly most convenient to take your kid all the way to work. Mm -hmm. If that's not possible, how close can you get them? And what can local government do, whether it's the city government helping to facilitate permitting or the county government helping with um, improvement subsidies, uh, professional development training, quality, quality management? How can we help potential entrepreneurs be encouraged to go into this kind of business, to know that there's a clientele, and most importantly, to know that they themselves Mm -hmm. can earn a living wage and have the potential to grow that business. Again, talking about childcare, not as babysitting, but as economic empowerment. Man, that is so important. I mean, you, you just set it up so well, Susan, and uh, I'm sure those who are listening, I'd like for them to know how they could reach you if they were interested in talking to you and your staff about what you're talking about now, and even other issues, because I know you're an advocate for for many things besides oh, sure. child care, homelessness. Can you give uh, everybody a way to reach you? And we'll do it now and we'll do it again at the end of the show, but I want people to uh, get a chance to hear that now. Sure, absolutely. The easiest and, and most um, centralized way to reach me is through my website, which is supervisorellenberg.com. And on the website are links to all of our other social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook um, and Nextdoor. And I've got an email address. All of that contact information is there. And there's also a link up there where people can sign up for my monthly newsletter. We don't spam you. We only email once a month. But it's a great way <laughs> to know what's going on. And, and you, you noted very accurately, Carl, that it's not just child care. That happens to be one of the issues I'm most excited about. But mm-hmm. county government operates across 40 different departments. I have to address. Issues ranging from transit and land use uh, to uh, affordable housing, homelessness, health care, criminal justice system. It's an incredibly broad, broad job. (laughs) I'd like I'd like for some people to get just a really 30,000 foot view of uh, the county, because uh, some people may think that the county gets its money from, you know, sales tax or things like that. And that's not really true. Is that right, Susan? You get your money mainly from where? The government, the federal government, state government? How do you get, <laughs> how, do, how does the county get its money? 
That is a great question. Um, the, so the county this year, the budget is about $8 billion. $8 billion. Right? Yes. But the, the bulk of that money uh, does come from federal and state uh, tax revenue me- um, measures. So mm-hmm. it, it is tax revenue. And most of it, the vast majority, is mandated to be spent in particular ways. Mm-hmm. There's a very small portion of the budget that, that the county supervisors actually can influence. Mm-hmm. And even amongst the local dollars, a lot of it is mandated and directed. So of that $8 billion, I can, I can bucket it into very roughly three mm-hmm. categories. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first and largest chunk of our money is spent on the public health system. We um, have owned and operated Valley Medical Center uh, for decades, 15 public health clinics, a public health department. And in March of this, of this year, we purchased St. Louis and O'Connor hospitals, which were otherwise going to close. Mm. Um, their previous owner was in bankruptcy. So we have just significantly expanded um, the range of services we can offer. And we're also really aggressively expanding our mental and behavioral health services, um, particularly to help focus on um, a lot of our unhoused community members who are, are challenged not just with financial or economic instability, but with other significant issues. So public health dollars, healthcare is the biggest chunk. Mm-hmm. The next largest chunk is uh, the criminal justice system. Mm. County government oversees the budget for the sheriff's department, the district attorney, public defender, alternate public defender, and of course the jail. Um, and then of the remaining third, mm-hmm. don't quote me on all of the math precisely, mm-hmm. please, mm-hmm. Um, but the, the bulk of that remaining third are social services, um, mm-hmm. dollars that help folks who for one reason or another are are socially or economically or physically vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then we do all sorts of other things, which actually surprised me when I got here. <laughs> we inspect restaurants and give the health certifications. We make sure that when you are pumping your gas, that the, that the, um, that the measure in there is accurately reflecting how much mm-hmm. gas you're getting and how much mm-hmm. money you're spending. Uh, so that there's really a lot going on, but that's, that's roughly where all of that money goes, and it goes quickly. Oh, Susan, but that's good, Susan. We got about a couple minutes before the show's over, and uh, I'd like to talk to you about something like workforce development. As you mentioned earlier about child care and how all communities really have to uh, do well for our entire community to do well. Uh, what do you guys do at the county as far as any workforce development sort of initiatives? So we've got a whole bunch of them. Um, we run a summer program called Intern and Earn um, to, to help people get into the workforce. We support a lot of good uh, community-based programs um, mm-hmm. like Opportunity Youth. Opportunity Youth. Um, not thinking of other names right, mm-hmm. right now. But this is an important piece, and I'm going to circle back to the child care and early childhood education because that's a place where my office is working um, really proactively right now on workforce development. We want to work with 
community colleges and universities on degree and certification programs. We want to know how we help to build those programs. And of course, the issues are generally tend to be money on both ends. Mm -hmm. One, how do people Mm -hmm. afford to go to school to get the degrees? And on the other end, how do we make sure they are going into a career path where they can actually sustain themselves? So we're in the process right now of looking at a number of models Mm -hmm. that would support both of those ends. We want people to be able to afford the education and we want them to choose this career knowing that they can actually make a living doing that. Well, I'm I'm a little selfish in that. You know, I have our program, our Bay Area Black Youth Techathon, and we, you know, we espouse to be that that group that says, hey, all those other programs that are out there that are doing wonderful work, mm-hmm. you know, we think that we know how to reach them because we're like that hub. So we we love working with you to try to get that to get that up and going because at the end of the day, you and I know, Susan, it, it, it's $8 billion, but believe it or not, that money goes fast and we really have to leverage that dollar. We got to make that dollar do a lot, right? Agreed. Agreed. And I would be delighted to partner with you and talk about how we build this particular workforce. I think it's I think it's critical. I think it's potentially accessible to so many professionals really of all ages. You can begin this kind of work in your 20s. I think you can begin this kind of work in your 50s and 60s. I love that. Well, I want people to hear it again, Susan, how they can reach you because we got about 30 seconds left in the show because you let them know how they can reach you and your staff. Absolutely. SupervisorEllenberg.com is my website. And if you can get yourself to that landing page, all of the other contact information, social media links, email links, it's all right there. Well, I know this for our listeners. Uh, if you missed the show, you can actually hear it again. It becomes a podcast if you go to blackchamber.com. But Susan's going to be in office for at least a couple other years, <laughs> a couple <laughs> more years. And so I'm going to assure all our listeners that we're going to bring Susan back because, Susan, you've been a wonderful, wonderful guest with a lot of information. So we're definitely going to have to make this happen again. Will you come back on that. again? With absolute pleasure, Carl. Thanks for the invitation. Well, until we come again, everybody, stay connected. You're listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Business Connections with Carl Davis Jr. and brought to you by the Silicon Valley Black Chamber of Commerce. More information about today's show is available by going to the Chamber's website, blackchamber.com. That's blackchamber.com. Or call 408-288-8806. That's 408-288-8806. Copies of our podcast are available online at blackchamber.com. If you would like to know more about a specific guest or make recommendations for upcoming guests and topics, email info at blackchamber.com. Keeping you connected. Silicon Valley Business Connections. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.